Last Day Events Written by Mrs. Ellen G. White Chapter 20 The Inheritance of the Saints A Gift from the Lord Christ, only Christ and His righteousness will obtain for us a passport into heaven. The proud heart strives to earn salvation, but both our title to heaven and our fitness for it are found in the righteousness of Christ, that we might become members of the heavenly family. He became a member of the earthly family. Better than a title to the noblest palace on earth is a title to the mansions our Lord has gone to prepare, and better than all the words of earthly praise will be the Savior's words to His faithful servants, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why we should think about the future world. Jesus has brought heaven to view and presents its glory to our eyes in order that eternity may not be dropped out of our reckoning. With eternal realities in view, we will habitually cultivate thoughts of the presence of God. This will be a shield against the incoming of the enemy. It will give strength and assurance and lift the soul above fear. Breathing in the atmosphere of heaven, we will not be breathing the malaria of the world. Jesus comes to present the advantages and beautiful imagery of the heavenly, that the attractions of heaven shall become familiar to the thoughts, and memories hall be hung with pictures of celestial and eternal loveliness. The great teacher gives man a view of the future world. He brings it with its attractive positions within the range of his vision. If he can fasten the mind upon the future life and its blessedness in comparison with the temporal concerns of the world, the striking contrast is deeply impressed upon the mind, absorbing the heart and soul and the whole being. The Christian's Motives Motives stronger and agencies more powerful could never be brought into operation. The exceeding rewards for right doing, the enjoyment of heaven, the society of the angels, the communion and love of God and His Son, the elevation and extension of all our powers throughout eternal ages, are these not mighty incentives and encouragements to urge us to give the heart's loving service to our Creator and Redeemer? If we can meet Jesus in peace and be saved, forever saved, we shall be the happiest of beings. Oh, to be at home at last where the wicked cease from troubling and the weary are at rest. I love to see everything that is beautiful in nature in this world. I think I would be perfectly satisfied with this earth, surrounded with the good things of God, if it were not blighted with the curse of sin. But we shall have new heavens and new earth. John saw this in holy vision and said, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. Oh, blessed hope, glorious prospect.
a real and tangible place. What a source of joy to the disciples to know that they had such a friend in heaven to plead in their behalf. Through the visible ascension of Christ, all their views and contemplation of heaven had changed. Their minds had formerly dwelt upon it as a region of unlimited space, tenanted by spirits without substance. Now, heaven was connected with the thought of Jesus, whom they had loved and reverenced above all others, with whom they had conversed and journeyed, whom they had handled even in his resurrected body. Heaven could no longer appear to them as an indefinite, incomprehensible space filled with intangible spirits. They now looked upon it as their future home where mansions were being prepared for them by their loving Redeemer. A fear of making the future inheritance seem too material has led many to spiritualize away the very truths which led us to look upon it as our home. Christ assured his disciples that he went to prepare mansions for them in the Father's house. In the earth made new, the redeemed will engage in the occupations and pleasures that brought happiness to Adam and Eve in the beginning. The Eden life will be lived, the life in garden and field. Glory Indescribable I saw the exceeding loveliness and glory of Jesus. His countenance was brighter than the sun at noonday. His robe was whiter than the whitest white. How can I describe to you the glories of heaven and the lovely angels singing and playing upon their harps of ten strings? The wonderful things I there saw I cannot describe. Oh, that I could talk in the language of Canaan. Then could I tell a little of the glory of the better world. Language is altogether too feeble to attempt a description of heaven. As the scene rises before me, I am lost in amazement, carried away with the surpassing splendor and excellent glory. I lay down the pen and exclaim, Oh, what love! What wondrous love! The most exalted language fails to describe the glory of heaven or the matchless depths of a Savior's love. Human language is inadequate to describe the reward of the righteous. It will be known only to those who behold it. No finite mind can comprehend the glory of the paradise of God. If we could have but one view of the celestial city, we would never wish to dwell on earth again. Streams, hills, and trees. Here we saw the tree of life and the throne of God. Out of the throne came a pure river of water, and on either side of the river was the tree of life. On one side of the river was the trunk of a tree, and a trunk on the other side of the river, both of pure transparent gold. At first I thought I saw two trees. I looked again and saw that they were united at the top in one tree. So it was the tree of life on either side of the river of life. Its branches bowed to the place where we stood, and the fruit was glorious. It looked like gold mixed with silver. There are ever-flowing streams, clear as crystal, and beside them waving trees cast their shadows upon the paths prepared for the ransomed of the Lord. 
There the wide-spreading plains swell into hills of beauty, and the mountains of God rear their lofty summits. On those peaceful plains, beside those living streams, God's people, so long pilgrims and wanderers, shall find a home. Flowers, Fruit, and Animals I saw another field full of all kinds of flowers, and as I plucked them, I cried out, They will never fade. Next, I saw a field of tall grass, most glorious to behold. It was living green and had a reflection of silver and gold as it waved proudly to the glory of King Jesus. Then we entered a field full of all kinds of beasts, the lion, the lamb, the leopard, and the wolf, all together in perfect union. We passed through the midst of them, and they followed unpeaceably after. Then we entered a wood, not like the dark woods we have here, no, no, but light and all over glorious, the branches of the trees moved to and fro, and we all cried out, We will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep into the woods. We passed through the woods, for we were on our way to Mount Zion. On the mount was a glorious temple. There were all kinds of trees around the temple to beautify the place. The box, the pine, the fir, the oil, the myrtle, the pomegranate, and the fig tree bowed down to the weight of its timely figs. These made the place all over glorious. And I saw a table of pure silver. It was many miles in length, yet our eyes could extend over it. I saw the fruit of the tree of life, the manna, almonds, figs, pomegranates, grapes, and many other kinds of fruit. I asked Jesus to let me eat of the fruit. The Vigor of Eternal Youth All come forth from their graves the same in stature as when they enter the tomb. Adam, who stands among the risen throng, is of lofty height and majestic form, in stature but little below the Son of God. He presents a marked contrast to the people of later generations. In this one respect is shown the great degeneracy of the race. But all arise with the freshness and vigor of eternal youth. Restored to the tree of life in the long-lost Eden, the redeemed will grow up, Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, to the full stature of a race in its primeval glory. If Adam at his creation had not been endowed with twenty times as much vital force as men now have, the race, with their present habits of living in violation of natural law, would have become extinct. None will need or desire repose. There will be no weariness in doing the will of God and offering praise to His name. We shall ever feel the freshness of the morning and shall ever be far from its close. The acquirement of acknowledge will not weary the mind or exhaust the energies. Heaven is all health. Happiness Guaranteed Jesus lifted the veil from the future life. In the resurrection, he said, They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Matthew chapter 22 verse 30 
There are men today who express their belief that there will be marriages and births in the new earth, but those who believe the scriptures cannot accept such doctrines. The doctrine that children will be born in the new earth is not a part of the sure word of prophecy. It is presumption to indulge in suppositions and theories regarding matters that God has not made known to us in His Word. We need not enter into speculation regarding our future state. Workers for God should not spend time speculating as to what conditions will prevail in the new earth. It is presumption to indulge in suppositions and theories regarding matters that the Lord has not revealed. He has made every provision for our happiness in the future life, and we are not to speculate regarding His plans for us. Neither are we to measure the conditions of the future life by the conditions of this life. Identity of the Redeemed Preserved The resurrection of Jesus was a type of the final resurrection of all who sleep in Him. The countenance of the risen Savior, His manner, His speech were all familiar to His disciples. As Jesus arose from the dead, so those who sleep in Him are to rise again. We shall know our friends, even as the disciples knew Jesus. They may have been deformed, diseased, or disfigured in this mortal life, and they rise in perfect health and symmetry. Yet, in the glorified body, their identity will be perfectly preserved. The same form will come forth, but it will be free from disease and every defect. It lives again, bearing the same individuality of features, so that friend will recognize friend. There we shall know even as also we are known. There the loves and sympathies that God has planted in the soul will find truest and sweetest exercise. A ruddy complexion and a robe of light. As Adam came forth from the hand of his creator, he was of noble height and of beautiful symmetry. He was more than twice as tall as men now living upon earth, and as well proportioned. His features were perfect and beautiful. His complexion was neither white nor sallow, but ruddy, glowing with the rich tint of health. Eve was not quite as tall as Adam. Her head reached a little above his shoulders. She, too, was noble, perfect in symmetry, and very beautiful. The sinless pair wore no artificial garments. They wore clothed with a covering of light and glory, such as the angels wear. So long as they lived in obedience to God, this robe of light continued to enshroud them. The Joy of Seeing Our Family in Heaven We see a retinue of angels on either side of the gate, and as we pass in Jesus speaks, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom that is prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Here he tells you to be a partaker of his joy, and what is that? It is the joy of seeing of the travail of your soul, fathers. It is the joy of seeing that your efforts, mothers, are rewarded. Here are your children. The crown of life is upon their heads. God's greatest gift is Christ, 
whose life is ours, given for us. He died for us and was raised for us, that we might come forth from the tomb to a glorious companionship with heavenly angels, to meet our loved ones and to recognize their faces, for their Christ-likeness does not destroy their image, but transforms it into His glorious image. Every saint connected in family relationship here will know each other there. The Salvation of Infants and Imbeciles As the little infants come forth immortal from their dusty beds, they immediately wing their way to their mother's arms. They meet again never more to part. But many of the little ones have no mother there. We listen in vain for their rapturous song of triumph from the mother. The angels receive the motherless infants and conduct them to the tree of life. Some questioned whether the little children of even believing parents should be saved because they have had no test of character, and all must be tested and their character determined by trial. The question is asked, how can little children have this test and trial? I answer that the faith of the believing parents covers the children, as when God sent his judgments upon the firstborn of the Egyptians. Whether all the children of unbelieving parents will be saved, we cannot tell, because God has not made known his purpose in regard to this matter, and we had better leave it where God has left it and dwell upon subjects made plain in his word. In regard to the case of A, you see him as he now is and deplore his simplicity. He is without the consciousness of sin. The grace of God will remove all this hereditary, transmitted imbecility, and he will have an inheritance among the saints in light. To you the Lord has given reason. A is a child as far as the capacity of reason is concerned, but he has the submission and obedience of a child. Tribute to Faithful Mothers When the judgment shall sit, and the books shall be opened, when the well-done of the great judge is pronounced, and the crown of immortal glory is placed upon the brow of the victor, many will raise their crowns in sight of the assembled universe, and pointing to their mother say, She made me all I am through the grace of God. Her instruction, her prayers have been blessed to my eternal salvation. The angels of God immortalize the names of the mothers whose efforts have won their children to Jesus Christ. The Reward of the Winner of Souls When the redeemed stand before God, precious souls will respond to their names who are there because of the faithful, patient efforts put forth in their behalf the entreaties and earnest persuasions to flee to the stronghold. Thus, those who in this world have been laborers together with God will receive their reward. When the gates of that beautiful city on high are swung back under glittering hinges, and the nations that have kept the truth shall enter in, crowns of glory will be placed on their heads, and they will ascribe honor and glory and majesty to God. And at that time, some will come to you and will say, If it had not been for the words you spoke to me in kindness, if it had not been for your tears and supplications and earnest efforts, I should never have seen the king in his beauty. 
What a reward is this? How insignificant is the praise of human beings in this earthly, transient life in comparison with the infinite rewards that await the faithful in the future immortal life? Our dispositions unchanged. If you would be a saint in heaven, you must first be a saint on earth. The traits of your character you cherish in life will not be changed by death or by the resurrection. You will come up from the grave with the same disposition you manifested in your home and in society. Jesus does not change the character at his coming. The work of transformation must be done now. Our daily lives are determining our destiny. Defects of character must be repented of and overcome through the grace of Christ, and a symmetrical character must be formed while in this probationary state, that we may be fitted for the mansions above. Heaven's Peaceful and Loving Atmosphere the peace and harmony of the heavenly courts will not be marred by the presence of one who is rough or unkind. Everything in heaven is noble and elevated. All seek the interest and happiness of others. No one devotes himself to looking out and caring for self. It is the chief joy of all holy beings to witness the joy and happiness of those around them. I seemed to be there where all was peace, where no stormy conflicts of earth could ever come. Heaven, a kingdom of righteousness, where all the holy and pure and blessed are congregated. Ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, living and walking in happy, pure intimacy, praising God and the Lamb who sitteth on the throne. Their voices were in perfect harmony. They never do each other wrong. Princess of heaven, the potentates of this mighty realm, are rivals only in good, seeking the happiness and joy of each other. The greatest there is least in self-esteem, and the least is greatest in his gratitude and wealth of love. There are no dark errors to cloud the intellect. Truth and knowledge, clear, strong, and perfect, have chased every doubt away, and no gloom of doubt casts its baleful shadow upon its happy inhabitants. No voices of contention mar the sweet and perfect peace of heaven. Its inhabitants know no sorrow, no grief, no tears. All is in perfect harmony, in perfect order and perfect bliss. Heaven is a home where sympathy is alive in every heart, expressed in every look. Love reigns there. There are no jarring elements, no discord or contentions or war of words. No temptation and no sin. No tree of knowledge of good and evil will afford opportunity for temptation. No tempter is there, no possibility of wrong. I heard shouts of triumph from the angels and from the redeemed saints, which sounded like ten thousand musical instruments, because they were to be no more annoyed and tempted by Satan, and because the inhabitants of other worlds were delivered from his presence and his temptations. Communion with the Father and the Son 
The people of God are privileged to hold open communion with the Father and the Son. We shall see Him face to face without a dimming veil between. We shall ever dwell with and enjoy the light of His precious countenance. My heart lips with joy at the cheering prospect. Heaven is where Christ is. Heaven would not be heaven to those who love Christ if He were not there. There will be a close and tender relationship between God and the risen saints, casting at the feet of the Redeemer the crowns that He has placed on our heads and touching our golden harps. We shall fill all heaven with praise to Him that sitteth on the throne. If, during this life, they are loyal to God, they will at last see His face and His name shall be in their foreheads. Revelation chapter 22 verse 4 and what is the happiness of heaven but to see God? What greater joy could come to the sinner saved by the grace of Christ than to look upon the face of God and know Him as Father? Fellowship with angels and the faithful of all ages Every redeemed one will understand the ministry of angels in his own life. The angel who was his guardian from his earliest moment. The angel who watched his steps and covered his head in the day of peril. The angel who was with him in the valley of the shadow of death. Who marked his resting place. Who was the first to greet him in the resurrection morning. What will it be to hold converse with him and to learn the history of divine interposition in the individual life of heavenly cooperation in every work for humanity? From what dangers, seen and unseen, we have been preserved through the interposition of the angels. We shall never know until in the light of eternity we see the providences of God. The loves and sympathies which God himself has planted in the soul shall there find truest and sweetest exercise. The pure communion with holy beings, the harmonious social life with the blessed angels and with the faithful ones of all ages who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, the sacred ties that bind together, the whole family in heaven and earth. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 15 these help to constitute the happiness of the redeemed. Bearing Testimony to Unfallen Beings The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 Christ's work below is His work above, and our reward for working with Him in this world will be the greater power and wider privilege of working with Him in the world to come. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 12. This also we shall be in eternity. For what was the great controversy permitted to continue throughout the ages? Why was it that Satan's existence was not cut short at the outset of his rebellion? It was that the universe might be convinced of God's justice in his dealing with evil, that sin might receive internal condemnation. In the plan of redemption, there are heights and depths of that eternity itself can never exhaust, marvels into which the angels desire to look, 
the redeemed only of all created beings, have in their own experience known the actual conflict with sin. They have wrought with Christ and, as even the angels could not do, have entered into the fellowship of his sufferings. While they have no testimony as to the signs of redemption, nothing that will be of worth to unfallen beings? Praising God in rich, melodious music. There will be music there and song, such music and song as, save in the visions of God, no mortal ear has heard or mind conceived. The song which the ransomed ones will sing, the song of their experience will declare the glory of God. Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true are thy ways. Thou King of the ages, who shall not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. Revelation chapter 15 verse 3. There is one angel who always leads, who first touches the harp and strikes the note. Then all join in the rich, perfect music of heaven. It cannot be described. It is melody, heavenly, divine. Not as a man of sorrows, but as a glorious and triumphant king, he will stand upon all of it, while Hebrew hallelujahs mingle with gentle hosannas, and the voices of the redeemed as a mighty host shall swell the acclamation, crown him Lord of all. Searching Out the Treasures of the Universe there, when the veil that darkens our vision shall be removed, and our eyes shall behold that world of beauty of which we now catch glimpses through the microscope. When we look on the glories of the heavens, now scanned afar through the telescope, when the blight of sin removed, the whole earth shall appear in the beauty of the Lord our God. What a field will be opened to our study! There the student of science may read the records of creation and discern no reminders of the law of evil. He may listen to the music of nature's voices and detect no note of wailing or undertone of sorrow. All the treasures of the universe will be open to the study of God's children. With unutterable delight, we shall enter into the joy and the wisdom of unfallen beings. We shall share the treasures gained through ages upon ages spent in contemplation of God's handiwork. Unfettered by mortality, they wing their tireless flight to worlds afar, worlds that thrilled with sorrow at the spectacle of human woe, and rang with songs of gladness at the tidings of a ransomed soul. With undimmed vision, they gaze upon the glory of creation, suns and stars and systems, all in their appointed order circling the throne of deity. Upon all things, from the least to the greatest, the Creator's name is written, and in all are the riches of His power displayed. Sacred History Reviewed The redeemed throng will range from world to world, and much of their time will be employed in searching out the mysteries of redemption. The themes of redemption will employ the hearts and minds and tongues of the redeemed through the everlasting ages. They will understand the truths which Christ longed to open to his disciples, but which they did not have faith to grasp. 
Forever and forever, new views of the perfection and glory of Christ will appear. Through endless ages will the faithful householder bring forth from his treasure things new and odd. Then will be opened before him the course of the great conflict that had its birth before time began, and that ends only when time shall cease. The history of the inception of sin, of fatal falsehood in its crooked working, of truth that, swerving not from its own straight lines, has met and conquered error, all will be made manifest. The veil that interposes between the visible and the invisible world will be drawn aside, and wonderful things will be revealed. Though the griefs and pains and temptations of earth are ended and the cause removed, the people of God will ever have a distinct, intelligent knowledge of what their salvation has cost. Our Redeemer will ever bear the marks of His crucifixion upon His wounded head. Upon His side, His hands and feet are the only traces of the cruel work that sin has wrought. Life's Perplexities Explained All the perplexities of life's experience will then be made plain. Where to us have appeared only confusion and disappointment, broken purposes and thwarted plans, will be seen a grand overruling victorious purpose, a divine harmony. There Jesus will lead us beside the living stream flowing from the throne of God and will explain to us the dark providences through which on this earth He brought us in order to perfect our characters. All that has perplexed us in the providences of God will in the world to come be made plain. The things hard to be understood will then find explanation. The mysteries of grace will unfold before us, where our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken promises. We shall see the most perfect and beautiful experiences that seemed most trying as we realize the tender care of him who makes all things work together for our good we shall rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory the outworking of every noble deed all who have wrought with unselfish spirit will behold the fruit of their labors the outworking of every right principle and noble deed will be seen. Something of this we see here. But how little of the result of the world's noblest work is in this life manifest to the doer. How many toil unselfishly and unweariedly for those who pass beyond their reach and knowledge. Parents and teachers lie down in their last sleep, their life work seeming to have been wrought in vain. They know not that their faithfulness has unsealed springs of blessings that cannot never cease to flow. Only by faith they see the children they have trained become a benediction and an inspiration to their fellow men, and the influence repeat itself a thousandfold. Many a worker sends out in the world messages of strength and hope and courage, words that carry blessings to hearts in every land, but of the results, he, toiling in loneliness and obscurity, knows little. So gifts are bestowed, burdens are borne, labor is done. Men sow the seed from which, above their graves, others reap blessed harvests. They plant trees that others may eat the fruit. They are content here to know that they have set in motion agencies for good. 
in the hereafter, the action and reaction of all this will be seen. Our joy will constantly increase. There are mysteries in the plan of redemption, the humiliation of the Son of God, that he might be found in fashion as a man, the wonderful love and condensation of Father in yielding up his Son, that are to the heavenly angels subjects of continual amazement, and these will be the study of the redeemed through eternal ages, as they contemplate the work of God in creation and redemption. New truth will continually unfold to the wondering and delighted mind, as they learn more and more of the wisdom, the love, and the power of God, their minds will be constantly expanding, and their joy will constantly increase. And the years of eternity, as they roll, will bring richer and still more glorious revelations of God and of Christ. As knowledge is progressive, so will love, reverence, and happiness increase. The more men learn of God, the greater will be their admiration of His character. As Jesus opens before them the riches of redemption and the amazing achievements in the great controversy with Satan, the hearts of the ransom thrill with more fervent devotion, and with more rapturous joy they sweep the harps of gold, and ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands of voices unite to swell the mighty chorus of praise. Ever and infinity beyond, every power will be developed, every capability increased, the grandest enterprises will be carried forward, the loftiest aspirations will be reached, the highest ambitions realized, and still there will arise new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire, new truths to comprehend, fresh objects to call forth the powers of body and mind and soul. However far we may advance in the knowledge of God's wisdom and His power, there is ever an infinity beyond. All the paternal love which has come down from generation to generation through the channel of human hearts, all the springs of tenderness which have opened in the souls of men are but as a tiny rill to the boundless ocean when compared with the infinite, exhaustless love of God. Tongue cannot utter it. Pen cannot portray it. You may meditate upon it every day of your life. You may search the scriptures diligently in order to understand it. You may summon every power and capability that God has given you in the endeavor to comprehend the love and compassion of the Heavenly Father. And yet, there is an infinity beyond. You may study that love for ages, yet you can never fully comprehend the length and the breadth, the depth and the height of the love of God in giving His Son to die for the world. Eternity itself can never fully reveal itself. The whole universe declares that God is love. The great controversy is ended. Sin and sinners are no more. The entire universe is clean. One pulse of harmony and gladness beats through the vast creation. From Him who created all, flow life and light and gladness. Throughout the realms of illimitable space, from the minutest atom to the greatest world, all things animate and inanimate in their unshadowed beauty and perfect joy declare 
that God is love. Thank you.